Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Welcome along to this week's Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, in a week that rocked the world of start and scale ups, we'll look at what exactly happened to Silicon Valley Bank and how it will impact Ireland. Plus, the team behind Bionic Gym will explain how you can sit on the couch, watch Netflix and get a full workout without moving an inch. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But there's only one place we could possibly start this week. And I think this report from NBC News captures it quite well. Increasing fallout following the historic collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Are you an Etsy seller and didn't get paid today? Neither did I. The demise of the nation's 16th largest bank, and once a titan in the world of tech startups, wreaking havoc, including for sellers who use e-commerce site Etsy. The company acknowledging some users aren't getting paid because it distributed money through SVB. Like I'm freaking out. Those funds feed my family and pay my bills. Amanda Nielsen runs her handmade soaps business through Etsy. She says she's no longer receiving deposits, though Etsy says it expects to pay sellers via other payment partners within the next several business days. I had no idea this was going to affect me. Silicon Valley Bank's failure was the largest in the U.S. since the 2008 financial crisis. Earlier this week, the bank took a loss of $1.8 billion on the sale of bonds, fueled in part by the Federal Reserve's rapid interest rate increases. As fear set in, customers rushed to withdraw $42 billion in deposits. By Friday morning, the bank had failed. Yeah, the fallout and concern after Silicon Valley Bank collapse has continued over the last number of days. If you don't follow Irish businessman Pat Phelan on Instagram, you absolutely should for a whole host of reasons. Uh, But I actually noticed at the end of last week, he was posting screenshots of messages from members of his team who worked to get their money out of SVB in time. And that really highlighted, I suppose, the stress on businesses and individuals, but also the human cost of when stuff like this happens. But I guess as the mood settles slightly, let's look at what the lasting impacts of this will be. Brian Caulfield is the chair of Scale Ireland, which is the representative body for Irish technology start-up and scale-up companies. And he joins me now. Um, Brian, one question a fair few people had this week was, why have we not heard a whole lot about Silicon Valley Bank before now? Well, I suppose primarily because SB, SVB has only really been active in the Irish market in relatively recent years. I'd say perhaps the past 10 years or so. You know, pr- prior to that, uh, SVB's business had mainly been a US business uh, before they expanded to Europe. At what stage did our companies usually engage with SVB or something of that ilk? Uh, It it typically tends to not be at the very, very early stage. Um, At that stage, companies are reliant on equity funding and investment rather than debt. So it usually tends to be companies that already have, you know, a reasonably well-established business model and that are, are capable, essentially, of repaying debt, you know. 
there's obviously been uh, a lot of talk this week about what's gone on. But can you just break it down in terms of what exactly happened and why we've seen the actions and reactions that we have taken place over the last seven days or so? Yeah, so a Silicon Valley bank would be a very, very big player in the technology space and in particular venture capital backed technology companies. And over the past couple of years, or up to 2021, as uh, American venture capital firms were investing large amounts of money in startups, the startups were taking that money and depositing it with Silicon Valley Bank. So SVB was taking in huge deposits and was struggling to find things that it could do with that money that would generate a return. So it ended up putting that money into very long-dated government bonds that in theory were actually very low risk, uh, but, but also uh, were, you know, 10-year 10 uh, 10, 10 tying up of the money. Um, then I suppose they got a little bit unlucky because... Uh, interest rates started to rise, and that had a couple of different impacts. Firstly, the value of those bonds declined um, because why why would you buy a bond paying 1.5% when you could now get a bond paying 3%? So the value of the bonds that they held declined. At the same time, the uh, amount of venture capital being invested also declined very dramatically. It went from the order of 100 billion a year to more like 40 billion a year, so that the deposits that they were receiving from the tech companies declined very significantly. And that, that basically left them with a cash crunch they, they couldn't sell the bonds other than at a significant loss, but they were seeing outflows of capital as, as companies, instead of depositing more funds, were drawing down the funds they already had. And they basically found themselves in, in a cash crunch. And, um, you know, the, the reality is that had they not tied up the guts of a hundred billion in those long dated bombs, they probably would have been fine. You mentioned the word unlucky there uh, when you were detailing it. There are a number of investigations on the way at the moment. So do we have any reason to believe that something untoward was happening or was it just pure, as you said, unlucky? So uh, I'm perhaps being a little bit loose there. I I do think that Silicon Valley Bank made some very bad decisions from a risk management perspective. You know, they had liabilities in the form of those deposits, which were immediate liabilities. You know, uh, companies could withdraw that money anytime they wanted. 
and they mismatch profile of their assets against those uh, liabilities by putting the money into those long-dated bonds. That was a very, very big mistake from from a risk management perspective. Um, And I'm sure that 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 will be looked at very closely and that there will potentially be changes to regulation. Uh, I, I think the authorities are also looking at the possibility that, for example, some SVB executives may have sold stock coming up to uh, uh, co- coming up to the demise of the organization and and obviously that's something that they that they would want to to uh, to look at very closely but i don't think there is anything um amiss in the decline of or the demise of silicon valley bank itself if you know what i mean yeah we need to remember as well this is all happening at a time where there's a whole host of disruption in the world of tech just this week we saw meta announcing 10,000 further job cuts we saw stripe although they had some good news their valuation was down significantly do you think that svb shutting its doors is going to have a bit of a ripple effect across the tech sector as a whole, or is it going to be maybe consolidated and not as bad as being reported right now? Uh, so I, I'm not expecting to see a ripple in terms of you know other banks failing. And one of the concerns I have is that a narrative might emerge that Silicon Valley Bank failed because it was uh, supporting the tech sector and the tech sector is risky. It it actually failed because they made some very bad banking decisions rather than because tech is risky. Um, However, I do think it will have, you know, knock-on impacts But I think it's really important to understand that that Silicon Valley Bank didn't go bust because its tech loan portfolio collapsed. You know, quite quite, quite the opposite. It, It went bust because of those bad banking decisions. So I am concerned about the the, the kind of the knock-on impact, especially on the availability of debt for for scale-up companies uh, rather than very early-stage startups. Mm. And just give us a bit of a distinguishing definition between a startup and a scale-up. What sort of stage and timeline are we talking about that distinguishes the two? Well, I I think it it very much depends on the individual company. But, um, you know, startups are companies that are still building their initial product they're still figuring out uh, what to charge for that product and what sales messages will resonate with customers. So I I suppose fundamentally, they're still at the stage of figuring things out. A scale-up, on the other hand, is a company that has a product that's out and live in the market with with many different customers. 
that understands why their customers buy and has a sales model that, that means that they know if they invest in more salespeople, it will produce more sales. So the challenge, if you like, has shifted from figuring things out to managing that process of scaling up, you know, well-understood and successful strategies. I mentioned Pat Phelan at the top, whose team acted swiftly to ensure their money was safe. Have you heard of other Irish companies who have, you know, almost been caught out or were caught out as a result of this? Uh, Yes, I've heard of at least three. Um, However, uh, I, I think the reality is that the position changed very significantly overnight on Sunday because HSBC bought SVB UK and effectively guaranteed the deposits. And in the US, the FDIC also said it would guarantee the deposits. So I would say on on Sunday afternoon, people were very, very worried by by Monday morning, they knew that their deposits were secure. They knew they'd be able to access the money that they had deposited with Silicon Valley Bank. Um, and, and that took a lot of the pressure off. So I think people are now thinking about the secondary impact in terms of things like the availability of debt in, in the future. What's this going to mean for the Irish businesses that would have gone down the SVB route? Like, is this going to impact their options and the terms that are put out there for them? Um, I, I, I think that most of the pain will be felt in terms of their ability to raise debt on reasonable terms in the future. And that may well impact on their ability to successfully grow their businesses um, so to give you just one example, a, a lot of semiconductor businesses, such as Movidius, which was one of my own portfolio companies, would have borrowed from Silicon Valley Bank to fund their working capital requirements, you know, effectively to pay to have their chips manufactured by TSMC in Taiwan uh, in advance of them being able to charge their customers for the finished product. So that, that kind of working capital requirement was exactly the type of thing that, uh, that Silicon Valley Bank would have financed. And there, there aren't too many banks that are, are prepared or understand how to finance that, that type of thing. Um, similarly, a, a lot of companies would have used what's called venture debt from Silicon Valley Bank, for, perhaps to bridge a gap in their funding while they're waiting to hit an important milestone. Um, so they 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 might have been thinking about raising a new round of equity funding, uh, but decided to wait until they hit profitability, perhaps, and in the meantime used Silicon Valley Bank debt 
to, uh, to, to, to support the company until it got to that milestone. That option may not be there anymore. And so I mentioned a few minutes ago about the broader sense of uncertainty and disruption that's going on in the world of tech. It's unlike anything in my memory anyway. Um, in terms of outlook and moving forward, what's your read of the industry as a whole, taking everything into consideration? Well, I, I'm very positive in the long term, Jess. I think the kind of onward march of technology is, if you like, almost inevitable. But I think it's important to remember that since 1990, there have been four uh, major corrections in the NASDAQ stock market, which, which, as you know, is primarily a technology stock market. And when I say four major corrections, I mean four declines of 30% or more. They were in 1990, the time of the dot-com boom uh, in 2001, or the dot-com crash in 2001, uh, the financial crisis in 2008 to 2010 or so, and, and now. And in spite of all those big corrections, the NASDAQ has still outperformed the wider economy, the, the S&P 500, by a factor of two over that time, you know? So, so technology consistently outperforms uh, the, the, the rest of the market. Um, and I think we're probably really just at the start of a major wave of digital transformation. Uh, IDS, uh, IDC estimates that $10 trillion will be spent on digital transformation over the next five years. So I'm very positive about the, the, you know, the picture for the future. Um, however, I would say that I haven't seen anything as bad since the dot-com crash in terms of you know, the impact on reduced investment, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and I do believe that we're probably going to go through a period of, of a couple of years that, that will be difficult and where, you know, investment will be harder to come by, uh, debt and banking facilities will be harder to come by, and, and companies will really, really need to focus on, if you like, efficient growth, you know, growing their businesses but not throwing money at the problem. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a shift from what we've seen, but it's nice to hear that overall positivity and optimistic tone. Uh, Brian Caulfield, thank you so much for joining us here on Tech Talk. Thanks very much, Jess. Now, when we come back here on News Talk, we'll hear from the Irish tech firm looking to help you work out without having to work out. <laughs> 